Hello and welcome to the Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. As always, I'm kicking it back with Evan. Not quite Adrian's kickback, if you know what I'm talking about, but more of a socially distance over, over the online kickback. Breaking down some basketball. How's it going, Evan? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I've been inhaling this playoff basketball. Um, it's been good so far. It's almost like a nice reminder that... I mean, like not every like the the Bucks, excuse me, the Nets and Celtics series is a bad example, but it's like playoff basketball is just so different, and partly it's because the fans are all back. Um, but like the low scoring and and the the you know some players getting shut down, it's been fun to see. I it's way more my style of watch. I almost feel silly for having watch like regular season games no i know what you mean and i think the nba knows what you mean as well as far as the regular season just doesn't hit the same as the playoffs that's why they've looked to do the play-in tournament and do things like maybe a mid-season tournament but beyond that one of the big things in playoff basketball that holds a lot of uh, impact is injuries and we saw one of those the other night to a star player in the Lakers versus the Phoenix series. Yeah, um, they're saying today that AD is not playing game five. I don't think that's an all the way terrible idea. Like, like AD's got to be healthy, one, because um, he's just going to play poorly if he's not healthy. Uh and I think Gasol could do. I think they gotta play Gasol too more too. I, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't like Drummond, but the AD injury will play big. We said at the start of this that the Suns very well may be the second best team in the West, and they're kind of looking that way. I mean, it's tied two two. The Lakers haven't played well. Um. I mean, LeBron's played well, but the Caldwell Pope injury also to the Lakers has been has been really, really uh, bad. I like I don't again. I'm taking the team with LeBron on it, but I mean, we're getting we're getting the super interesting series. Just like this, maybe, and obviously everyone's looking towards the the Lakers Clippers potential matchup. And, um, I mean, I feel a bit reminisced if I didn't mention the Jazz, although they are the Jazz, but, like, we're kind of seeing some good first-round matchups for, like, the first time in a while. I'm, I know, like, some people are calling Suns, Lakers. I'm not calling it, but I, I almost think it's the best two teams in the West playing each other. And then next round, we're going to get Sixers. Excuse me, we're going to get Nets. We're gonna get Nets um, Milwaukee, but, which which will be the best. It could be the best series in the entire playoffs. They could be the best two teams in the league with the Lakers unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one silver lining, I guess, to the Anthony Davis injury, even though there isn't really any silver linings to injuries, is just. I'm glad it wasn't Chris Paul. That guy has had such terrible injury luck and. In, for him to be on the other side of it for one time in his career, I mean, he must be smiling. I, I'm not smiling because AD's injured, because nobody likes to see any player injured, but just smiling that the NBA gods did not frown upon him this year again. Yeah, I feel like I've seen 
Chris Paul play injured before. And it's hurt his performance, obviously. They keep on saying the shoulder is pretty bad. I know they said he almost... Uh, they almost sat him for game four, but like he he's he's playing like and obviously Chris Paul's probably a bit tougher than most and and isn't focused on it, but he's kind of playing like he's not it. Like he's playing like he's fine. Oh, if he really is injured, he's you know we were talking about LeCaprio earlier in the season when LeBron was saying you could see three way, uh, rims and he just shot for the middle one during the play-in game. Yeah, I mean that's a lie. <laughs> I mean, um, Chris Paul looked, I mean, a hundred percent against the Lakers in Game Four. Yeah, where where do you where do you see the rest of the series going? I think, I, by the way, I think the next game, Game Five, and that like obviously AD helps the Lakers' chances quite a bit. But like, if the Lakers are going to win the series, like they're going to win it. Um, where do you? I think Game Five is super, super, super critical. No, uh, it puts you, somebody you, in an elimination position. Yeah, where do you see the series going? I I think I see I might see the series going seven with the AD injury. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some vintage like uh 2016 LeBron, maybe him dropping 40, 50 points, twelve plus assists, just doing a little bit of everything or a lot of everything in that case. But yeah, maybe like, just squeaking it out or falling short. I'd like to see LeBron take some more shots as well. Another um, takeaway, I mean, it's from the entire playoffs and we can segue into other series from this, but the everyone rightfully so hype on the 2019 draft class, uh, John Morant, Barrett, uh, Zion, obviously, I don't know why I didn't just mention him, but like, honestly, like 2018 draft class is kind of like looking super, super steez. I mean, like between Doncic, Trey Young has kind of established himself like, okay, he can be the best player on a team that can make the playoffs. And maybe win around. Yeah. But like I mean, DeAndre Ayton like has shown all star potential this playoffs. Um and I mean you throw in like like Michael Porter Jr., who had a really good end to the season. Uh, isn't having as good of a playoffs. Uh, Shea, Mikhail Bridges, Sexton, like Jaron Jackson Jr. Like this is a really good draft class. No, and I mean we were. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. I know uh, you were a bit low on Aiden for a while, and rightfully so. But I help, thankfully held his stock, and he's looked great in the playoffs. And um, I mean, is it just Bagley who's kind of been flopping from that top group? Correct. It feels like Bagley's career is almost over. And I mean, Cam Reddish hasn't really had a turn. Uh, he's been injured and has, but he, like, he, he's still, yeah, he's, yeah. he's his in raw skill set is so valuable that he's a type of player that could fully step into his own once he hits like 28, 29, 30, even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, I mean, I feel like every series is interesting. the The Jazz and uh, the Jazz and uh, Grizzlies, Grizzlies. aren't really worth talking about because I mean, we we said it in during the preview. We like the Grizzlies. Jazz are too good. Uh, Sixers and Wizards, as expected. Sixers are crushing them. The Bucks crush the Heat, which kind of brings like up the whole. I. I I'm a huge Bam guy. I think we both are, but like that was actually really satisfying to almost like confirm that 
like the way the Heat kind of are set up, they would be the team to like strive and succeed majorly in the in a type of bubble environment. And it was almost like I really I dislike Jimmy Butler. You know that it was almost like pretty satisfying uh, to see them really do poorly. To hit him for him to hit the locked in button and then go like two for fourteen over a couple games or something. And he played like, like not just like he played bad. Like Duncan, like Duncan Robinson felt more valuable to the Heat than Jimmy he Butler. Like their second series. best player. Yeah. Um, and Tyler means- Hero as well. I mean, I'm going to shout out my uh, call for him being the most underwhelming and disappointing player of the season. He was terrible. Yeah, well, he's been terrible. Um, on the flip, Bucks are dangerous. Uh, we can go to the West, though, unless we want to. I mean, we can touch on Knicks. The one thought I want to leave with is how big do you think the loss of uh, DiVincenzo is for the Bucks moving forward here? Um, I mean, it's a loss. I feel like it's just a loss because of his height. And like the Bucks don't have that much depth, but I'm almost like not mad at that. In the past, we've been like the Bucks are so deep. Uh, George Hill, Wesley Matthews, but like they're almost uh, like at a certain point, if the Bucks are going to win, like they're going to need Middleton. Uh, and you know true to play all the minutes along with Giannis and like they still have Connaughton and Bryn Forbes, Forbes looked think, great yeah Bryn Forbes can really shoot the ball he played he played with the Spurs for a while um I don't just because Forbes is a, is a shooter in that I think Connaughton's super high energy and and can guard uh when he'll when he needs to can even guard a Kyrie type um I'm not like I don't think the DiVincenzo thing's a huge deal, but it's not good for them. No, it kind of... I know we've been comparing the Bucks to the 2019 Raptors quite a bit. It kind of reminded me of the OG injury to a lesser extent. He's a key rotation guy. OG was a bit more than that for the Raptors. And it just is one of those things that makes you question, it's like, could they do it without Dante? Are they good enough? And when they show and when they do do it, you're like, of course they're good enough. They've got Drew, they've got Giannis, they've got Middleton. Yeah, it's like it's like everyone knows how good DiVincenzo and OG are, but like having them there, like it's not going to take a championship away from them. No, and I guess moving back to the West, who do you want to look at over there? I think not for the reason of the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are playing. Uh, like we knew they would play. Man, Jokic is so good. It's kind of it's a bit of a shame no one's talking about the series he's having. But I think it's like I think it's almost comedic that Portland and he played pretty poorly on. It would have been Saturday. It didn't get any help from his teammates. But like it's almost comedic how Portland's playing him. Like think of. Uh, I, I'm struggling to think of a, another scenario where like another team said, okay, he's so good at playmaking that we're just going to let him score. And he's been scoring, I mean, 31 points a game. Um, we're just going to let him score. And like the strategy has worked. So like now they're in this weird scenario where it's basically like Jokic is going essentially shot for shot with Lillard and McCollum. 
and I I think that will end up like I think that will end up working out for the Blazers. Like the way in Porter Jr. is it's it's not even like he's been bad. He just hasn't been able to do anything this series. But like when I'm watching Composa run out there, and Millsap didn't even play last game. Like Michael Green was was getting all the bench minutes from the big spot. Like the Nuggets behind i think the wizards and like i know this is crazy the nuggets behind the wizards um and i i guess you can yeah uh the nuggets almost have like the worst roster in this playoffs considering jamal murray's injury the nuggets like just aren't good as a team and and, and so anyways what i'm saying is Jokic is just impressing me and it's uh, obviously there's way bigger storylines when when the Clippers are playing the Dow, the Mavericks, and LeBron's playing Paul. But like, it's a shame Jokic hasn't been getting the attention um, that he deserves this season. It feels like in the regular season, Embiid and Curry was kind of taking away from it. But like, if he gets knocked out this round, it feels like he would have had one of the best seasons, like overall seasons. An NBA's player, ha- an NBA player's had in the past three years or whatever, and, and and zero recognition for it. No, and he's been, I mean, like you said, just giving him shot for shot with Lillard essentially has turned out and is a great strategy against the Nuggets. But we were talking about how Michael Porter Jr. just hasn't really exploded, and the other guys like Compazzo and uh, on the <laughs> other guys like Compazzo who have been great. I mean, he's out re- rebounding for they're, they're relying on Austin Rivers and Composo for their guard offense. It's crazy. And it just shows when they just give Jochik his shots and try to, try to take away his playmaking, how much better he makes everybody else. It's, yeah, exactly. And like it, when I was saying like Porter hasn't been that much worse, he relies a lot on like just catch and shoot threes. He's a great catch and shoot three player. Um, he hasn't been getting any of those this series, it feels like, because of the way they're playing. So that that takes him down a notch. But yeah, I, I just think um, there's way more things to discuss other places in this playoffs. But like, I, I felt I like I had to at least give we had to give Jokic the love because it feels like no one else is going to. No. And I don't I don't know if they can pull this series off. No, Jochik uh, deserves his flowers. And one more uh, quick point before we rotate off this series is the real playoff P is playing in this one. I mean, Norman Powell, vintage Norman Powell playoff game, extremely efficient, 29 points. I, I loved I loved it. I loved every second of that. Yeah, he looked great. Uh, probably the most interesting series, Mavericks, Clippers. The first two games, panic meter couldn't have been higher for the Clippers. I think the panic meter still should be high because it feels like there's no sense of urgency. And the more they play, the more it feels like having Morris as their third option isn't great. And I mean, Reggie Jackson probably shouldn't step on the floor again this entire playoffs. But um, I think the Clippers may be getting a bit too much heat for the way the um, the series has gone. They're 2-2 now. Last night we saw what would happen. And Luca played bad last night but last night we kind of saw what would happen in the first two games with guys like tim hardaway jr and maxi kleber and dorian finney smith weren't hitting their shots and i mean the clippers blew them out uh 
I still think, like I said at the beginning of the series, like I'll take the team with Kawhi on it. Uh, through the four games, he's been averaging 33 points and shooting like 62.7%. I think, I, I really don't think the Clippers have that urgency um, to really make it serious. But I, I also think the Luka love, which is like fair, um, and the Clippers hate has been a bit too high from what I've seen. I think I think it's just because of kind of the storyline that's developed around it. I mean, to give Luka a little bit of pause for last game, he was playing hurt just because of how hard he's been guarded the previous ones. And Luka is such a lovable guy in the NBA. It seemingly looks like he's put this team on his back here. Porzingis has been not been as terrible. advertised. And, I mean, we've seen some great nights from Dorian Finney, like you said, and Tim Hardaway, and Kleba's been hitting some shots. But when you stack them up against this supposedly super team who mortgaged their entire future to get Paul George, they steal Kawhi from Toronto, they're supposed to run the West, they're taking LA back from the Lakers, and some 22-year-old kid tears them down piece by piece the first two games and essentially demasculates them? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think like I don't know. It's it's two two now. I I don't know how Mavericks are going to come back. Obviously, Luke is awesome. Like he played terrible yesterday. I just think I don't think the Clippers are underrated. I just think like the hate has gone a bit too far. Um, more just because like Kawhi is people like don't want to admit. People are like so intent on hating them that they don't want to like admit how good Kawhi is. I think that's why I'm I'm a bit puzzled. And then the other reason, obviously, I think is actually a warranted one is that Ty Lue really is not a good coach. It's no, not a bad you've one, been on though. this train for a while too. Yeah, he do- he doesn't do anything, and like that's fine if if the Clippers need someone to keep their guys happy, then it is what it is. But like. It shows light against Dallas. Really quick, I feel like I also have to touch on this. It is crazy. The NBA coaching carousel sometimes is crazy. The fact Nate McMillan got fired from the Pacers last year is nuts to me. He's he's now game planning amazingly against the Knicks and the Hawks have been great since they hired him in. I, I feel like it was February. That's another... like. It is fun to see that coaching actually does make a difference in the playoffs. Yeah, no, we saw it firsthand with Nick Nurse in our run. Mm -hmm. Do you want to touch on the uh, Atlanta-New York series? Because I think as far as fans being in the building and this whole new level of atmosphere that we haven't seen for the past year has fully taken effect against Trey Young and for him. Yeah, I'm all for the Trey Young villain storylines. I think he plays a good one. Um, really easy to hate, but really easy to appreciate his game. The Knicks feel a bit like the old Raptors teams to me, where like obviously like Julius Randle outplayed how good he was this year in the regular season, but like he's also not this bad. The like we said, like the playoffs are quite literally different. People game plan different. Um, but I thought the Knicks were going to come out with this series just because I thought 
the games would be kept to like 90 points. Um, it's not happening just because the Hawks took two at their home. I don't know if the Knicks can in, in come back, but like the Knicks with their crowd, every game that they're in New York, they have to win. Like that crowd has been so awesome. No, I totally agree with you. And I think a guy I've been keeping a close eye on this whole series is RJ Barrett, who's had some ups and downs, but has overall looked promising. Yeah, he's played about as almost as good as he can given circumstances, but like this Knicks offense just feels like those old Raptors offenses where like playoff offenses where they could be in the game, but like you'll look at the box score and I mean, everyone's basically shooting five for 14, except for Derek Rose, of course. Um, If the Hawks didn't game plan for the Knicks, I mean, which they are, uh, it would be a much different series, I think. And we'd be looking at, you know, to give Randall and Barrett much more praise and be much more excited. I just think this, the, the construction of this Knicks offense, it's, it's not, it's not for the playoffs. Unfortunately, I mean, we both thought it was going to be their defense that carried them through to the second round. And obviously that hasn't been the case. So I don't think we ever thought there was going to be some sort of offensive explosion that could keep up with Atlanta. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily keeping up with Atlanta to me. I think it's like the Knicks can't play at the place they want because they're almost they're like searching aggressively for 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 kind of good shots and they they end up taking bad ones and it, it just doesn't work out in their favor and Atlanta kind of comes running across Trey Young, two dribbles, pulls up for three. Um, you know, pass to the quarter Bogdanovich. He hits a three within like eight seconds of the shot clock. And the next field, the need to like rush the way all the way back. And it's just like when Randall can't get his, that obviously affects everyone. But it's just like they can't keep up with the pressure. It feels like it's not. It's not that anyone's playing. I mean, Randall is playing bad, but it's not that anyone's playing particularly bad. I just think when Atlanta's really scoring fast, the Knicks stop playing their game. They stop being in control of the game, and it's like it, it's even if they do go on small runs because of the crazy energy that they do have and get from guys like IQ off the bench, like it just doesn't. It it's not sustainable. The uh, last series I wanted to touch on is kind of a series preview, and we alluded it uh, alluded to it earlier in the episode where we might see the best matchup of the playoffs between Brooklyn and the Bucks coming up. We've talked mm-hmm. about how we think the Bucks have the defensive stopping power to kind of hold the big three to their averages. Do you still believe that after seeing some of these offensive explosions they've had against a, I might say, debilitated Celtics team? Yeah, like this Celtics team is not like stiff competition. Like if you look at the Celtics at any point in time in the game, Kemba will be on the floor. Like two of Kemba, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams will be on the floor. Like we, it doesn't take away from how good Harden, Kyrie, and Durant are. My only thing is like it's the defense is the one thing. Um, and also like, 
about time we could, we kind of like add in Joe Harris as kind of like the the fourth. He deserves to be like mentioned. He like I know this is crazy, but he's kind of underratedly could go down as a top five three point shooter ever. Like every I swear every time I see the Nets play, he's lights out from three. I also think he's been averaging like like something like fifty three percent from the three point line this playoff so far. So like we knew how dangerous their offense was two months ago and that hasn't changed, but the two things, um, defense, obviously you should be worried about, but like an offense like that, you can get away with having that defense for seven games. To me, it's still that I think the nets have a bit of almost of the Clippers in them. Um, no really, really strong, strong leadership from the coaching and, they see everyone's getting along really well, but I think it's one of those scenarios where everyone's getting along really well until it, they aren't. And when that happens, I just, I don't know how it's going to go. I mean, they have Durant as kind of the, the, the safe blanket, which I think is huge, but um, I just, if you asked me last year or even maybe earlier in the season, like end a game, uh, scenario, I would have been like, well, Brooklyn's way better off because they have three guys who can really, really, really get their last shot off. But I think their disorganization and like lack of direction hurts them more than their like star power. And on the flip end, I think Milwaukee's just looked more kind of like they know where the ball's going. They know what they're going to try to do. And I mean, they have enough. Uh, I think Holiday really gives them enough like you have to guard Giannis Middleton and Holiday now. I, I I think I think Milwaukee's direction and and I don't know they've they've looked really poised in the last two minutes. Um, I think Milwaukee will be Brooklyn. I just don't know if it's going to be there. I mean, they talk about it a lot in uh, hockey. Actually, when a team doesn't really face any adversity throughout the season they never really face any tough moments where they have to all look each other in the uh, in each other's eyes and go what type of team are we how do mm-hmm. we win these tight games what do we do when our backs against the wall they haven't had that and if they have had it it's been with one two maybe i mean one or two of the superstars together they haven't really had that moment where they needed to look each other in the eyes and go, I'm going to be this guy for this moment. This is my moment. I'm going to own it. Mm-hmm. Total agreeance. And like, uh, it's not to say that like they're going to collapse or anything. I just think like we kind of always saw it with LeBron teams. Like they'd really hit that. They would hit like multiple low points and, and, and it, it wouldn't matter because when the game was on the line. Like everyone would be very like, they'd know what they were doing. Um, and they had known that they'd been there before and can come out of it. I like, it's not me saying it's not us saying the Nets won't be able to come out. It's just like, we don't know. And I feel like with the bucks, um, we have a better sense. But like that being said, like it's going to seven games, I think, and it's going to be crazy close, but honestly, Hopefully we, I'm praying to see it at the, that would be some of the most entertaining basketball we've seen since like 2018 Lakers Warriors, I think, excuse me, Cavs Warriors. No, I totally agree. I cannot 
I mean, the storylines that are going to come out of this are going to be astonishing. It's going to be the way I, this this is going to be an egregious hot take, but I, I'll let it flow out of my mouth anyway. The way we look at some of these superstars moving forward could change after this series. 100%. I mean, everyone talks about how Harden's a choker, how Durant needs the most help in the NBA to win a championship. This, the best superstar who needs the most help to win a championship. People say Giannis can't get it done in the playoffs because of his bad free throw shooting. This is all going to be put to the test, and the way we view these players is going to change drastically after this series. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has everything to gain and, and you know, some to lose. But um, like Durant and Harden, it feels like have everything to lose. And again, like imagine how much can be gained by the Bucs if they pull that off. No, and... I think we're all pulling for the Bucks. The Brooklyn Nets make a great villain team just because of the way they came together, the way Harden forced his way out of Houston. I mean, they've got D'Antoni there now. They signed Blake Griffin. Unfortunately, LaMarcus Aldridge couldn't finish the season with them, but he signed with them as well. They have all these things going for them, and the Bucks are the team that everyone's forgotten about. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you are listening to The Jabroni Show on CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great morning. Hey, we're, we're Paragon Cause. And you're listening to JB on CFRC 101.9 FM. FM. Hello, I'm Tamara Cicerella, a counselor serving area residents who live with addictions or mental health concerns. Deeply committed workers like me assist people in reaching their recovery goals. On April 1st, Addictions and Mental Health Services in Kingston and Frontenac joins Lennox and Addington in offering confidential, quality services. Addictions Mental Health Services, Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox and Addington is committed to providing the best possible services to all who need it. For more information in Kingston and Frontenac, call 613-544-1356 or in Lennox and Addington, 613-354-7388.